Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Job chapter 29. This is the fourth chapter in the fourth and final speech in the third round of dialogue as Job replies to brother Bildad and also summarizes and brings his entire argument in for a landing. In this part of the speech, Job is remembering fondly how things used to be in the days when he enjoyed the blessing and favor of God. In chapter 30, he goes on to talk about how Everything has changed now. Chapter 30 has verses that begin with, but now and and now. Chapter 30 is about the totally new and infinitely worse situation that Job now finds himself in. And then in chapter 31, he basically charges God with injustice or negligence, take your pick, for allowing this inappropriate, inexplicable deterioration in his circumstances. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. And Job again took up his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in my prime, when the friendship of God was upon my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, When my children were all around me, when my steps were washed with butter and the rock poured out for me streams of oil. Life was good, Job says, and God was on my side. I had my family, we were living large, and everything was coming up roses. That's basically what Job is saying in these first six verses, verse 7. When I went out to the gate of the city, when I prepared my seat in the square, the young men saw me and withdrew, and the aged rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The voice of the nobles was hushed, and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. Life was good, and people respected me, Job says. Young men bowed their head and stepped out of the way when I approached Old people were eager to hear me speak. I was respected by princes and nobles. I was a man to be reckoned with. Verse 11. When the ear heard, it called me blessed. And when the eye saw, it approved. Because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to help him. The blessing of him who was about to perish, came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. Life was good, and people respected me, not just because I was rich, but also because I was righteous. I took an interest in the cause of the poor. I sponsored orphans and sought out widows. I took care of the blind and the lame. 
I was a major benefactor to all the hurting and vulnerable people in the region. I was a shield and a sword to them. I protected them and I made war upon their abusers. Now I want to pause here for a second because verses 11 to 17 are among the most important verses in the entire book of Job from a historical and theological point of view. Francis Anderson, for example, says, Job's review of his life is one of the most important documents in scripture for the study of Israelite ethics. His positive sketch of life at its best in chapter 29 and his negative confession, chapter 31, indicate the loftiest moral standards. For him, right conduct is almost entirely social. His private duty to himself as a man is not discussed. His duty to God in the cult is touched on only in the matter of idolatry, an important but negative matter. In Job's conscience, sins are not just wrong things people do, disobeying known laws of God or society. To omit to do good to any fellow human being of whatever rank or class would be a grievous offense to God, closed quote. So hear that. Again, this is one of the oldest and therefore earliest descriptions that we have of what was considered appropriate behavior for a follower of God. And as Anderson says, the categories are almost exclusively social. Now that's important because I imagine that if we were to make such a list today in the North American Evangelical Church, for example, the list would be almost exclusively individual. We would talk about pride and envy and anger and contentment, all of which are important. But Job is talking about social things, charity and kindness and protection and provision and justice. Now, I know that the term social justice has become a, a battleground term loaded with a fair bit of contemporary cultural freight, but let's at least be honest enough to admit that for as far back as the eye can see, following God entailed certain social responsibilities. Can we agree on that? A follower of God cared for the poor, took an interest in the orphan, took responsibility for the widow. And not only that, a follower of God actively opposed anything or anyone who would abuse or take advantage of the most vulnerable members of society. Did you hear the language Job used? He talked about breaking the teeth, pulling the fangs, as it were, of the abuser, attacking causes and sources of injustice. It's not enough to be innocent of those things. If it is within your power to attack those structures and those abusers and those oppressors, then you should do it. Job is proud to say, Job is, is very eager to point out that he has been doing those things. Now, I don't say that as some sort of effort to appease the liberal elites of culture. That sense of ethics and morality goes far back, as far as the eye can see in Holy Scripture, and therefore it has to be stated and embraced. Thanks be to God. Verse 18, then I thought, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. My roots spread out to the waters with the dew all night on my branches. My glory fresh with me, 
and my bow ever new in my hand. Men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After I spoke, they did not speak again, and my word dropped upon them. They waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouths as for the spring rain. I smiled on them when they had no confidence, and the light of my face they did not cast down. I chose their way and sat as chief, and I lived like a king among his troops, like one who comforts mourners. I always assumed, Job says, that because I was on God's team, or more importantly, because he was on my team, and because I did what I knew pleased him, I always assumed that I would live a long, peaceful life and die good, honorable death. I would lie down in dignity and pass over to the other side in peace. I thought that was the reward for living righteously. Job appears to be suffering here under a form of what we would today call the prosperity gospel. Tremper Longman III puts it this way. He, Job, believed that a wonderful life was as it should be for those who are faithful to God. To be in a good relationship with God should lead to a happy, painless, and successful life. Today, those who affirm a prosperity gospel would agree. It is only right that faith and obedience be met with blessing. But even those who would not affirm such a simplistic understanding of faith would think deep down that this is the way it should work. After all, why else would we say, why me, when bad things happen? Closed quote. He goes on to say, such a view is quite dangerous, though and easily belied by Scripture and by experience. The danger arises in our expectations. If we feel that we deserve God's blessing because of our faith and obedience, then when that blessing is disturbed by hardship, we are left confused and angry. Closed quote. I think that is exactly right. I think it provides one of the reasons for this book being included in the canon of Scripture. I think one of the reasons Job is here in our Bibles is to help us see this. Job is in your Bible, along with Ecclesiastes, to round out your understanding, to save you from an overly simplistic faith, to use Longman's terminology. In a sense, you really don't understand faith until you've dealt with Proverbs, Job, and Jesus. If you take any one piece of that out of your pie, then your pie is going to let you down. Proverbs tells you how things are supposed to work, how they are designed to work. And of course, it's not just Proverbs. It's Genesis. It's the whole law. God designed the universe to release blessings through obedience. The prosperity gospel people aren't wrong there. They just aren't right enough. Because if you keep reading your Bible, you discover this really important thing called sin. There is a virus of sin at work in the world, as presently constituted, that disrupts and distorts the design. Job and his friends have not adequately wrestled with this fact. There is injustice in the world, and there is sin that spreads and affects 
That's why we can't say simplistic things like poor people must be sinners. No, sometimes poor people are sinners, or, or rather better to say, sometimes people are poor because they are sinners, but sometimes it isn't about the sin done by us. It's about the sin done to us. Job and his friends haven't fully understood the devastating effect of sin upon the human experience. Their wealth has blinded them to that reality. And they also haven't understood the mystery of providence. That really is the major contribution of the book of Job. The book of Job reminds us that not only is sin active as a distorting agent in the moral universe, but God is active too as a redeeming and restoring agent in the universe. So not everything happens as Proverbs might predict. Because sin matters. And because God matters. Sin is at work, and God is at work. That's what I mean when I say that if you really want to understand faith, if you really want to understand reality, you need to wrestle with Proverbs, Job, and Jesus. Until you see all of that, you aren't seeing enough. And that is kind of the point from a big picture perspective of this entire narrative. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to End of the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And I hope to see you again tomorrow, right here for another episode of End of the Word. Before.